0: This is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles.
1: It is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles, episode number 37. Subscribe, rate, review this podcast. It helps all of us, trust me. And I want to let you know that we're brought to you by betonline.ag. A couple of things we want to talk about, Greg, before we get into the playoffs coming up this weekend. Let's start with Gerard Mayo. Doug Peterson gets fired in Philadelphia. Now they're looking for a coach. And the latest out of Philly is Gerard Mayo might actually be not only on the list, but rather high up the list.
0: Oh, are you – have you – has that changed to high up the list?
1: Well, I mean, I think they've only put – you know, they've only announced, what, three or four guys. So, I mean, he's got to be – he's got to be – you know, the this early in the process, I'm just taking it that they've got to really like him to bring him in so early.
0: Yeah, I um, there's a couple of different ways that I read this. Um, you know, number one, and and we've talked about this before uh, because I think in Houston, an article surfaced on Mayo very early after uh, after the season in their interview process, even though he hasn't been interviewed yet. Uh, you would expect with Casario and Easter be there if if Mayo is a serious head coach candidate this time around that he would be brought in. But then again, that would probably send people in Houston um, walking into the the, the ocean there um, <laughs> head first. Uh, another Patriots person, uh, but you know Mayo being brought in this early in in Philly. Uh, look, he could be a serious candidate. I'm not gonna totally rule that out. Uh if he is a serious candidate, then it's because Howie Roseman is seeking a puppet head coach, uh, which is really why he's looking for another head coach. Is uh you know, both him, Jeffrey Lurie, and Howie Roseman, the GM, uh medal in everything, football wise. Like they, you know, they made Doug Peterson fire offensive coordinators last year. I think it was um uh, grows kid micro and this year doug peterson came to them and said basically his offensive plan and i don't disagree with roseman and, and lori with this is that uh he was basically going a promote from within on his staff and you know lori and roseman were just basically basically it's lori uh as far as offense because he wants innovative offense he wants this and that and for doug to come back and say well we're just going to go with the status quo that wasn't going to go over well. And that's part of the problem. I mean, in most places the ownership does not have that kind of influence as far as coaching staff, you hire the coach, they get to hire the coaches, period. End of discussion. If you want to fire the coach, the head coach, fire the head coach. And you know, it's just, so that job is sort of looked at as a sort of joke around the league at this point. I mean, if, if you're, if you're a head coach candidate with any type of, uh sway any type of power you're like I'm not going there to have some owner and some you know pencil neck salary cap pusher tell me who's going to be on my staff and so that Mayo's in there uh or on the list tells me that they're looking for a uh a sort of you know a guy who will do what they say and I think you'll see a lot of candidates like that um but really in in my gut Nick, what I think this is, is Roseman went to some sort of coach agent and said, we want to talk to your guy, Uh, X, I don't know who it is, some sort of hotshot guy. And he's like, okay, that's fine. We'll do that. But first you got to talk to my guy, Mayo, you know, to get him on the list, get him on the radar, get people talking about him." And they're like, sure. Yeah, we'll do a zoom call with him or whatever. We'll have him down. Yeah, we'll do that as long as we get to talk to your guy and you don't commit to any other jobs uh, while we're doing that. And they say, okay, that kind of stuff goes on all the time. Do I know that it's going on here with Mayo? No. no. Will we ever know? Probably not. But just from my experience in the league, that's what this smells like.
1: That Mayo stuff is, is just strange to me. Like I, I never even thought about him being a prospective head coach this offseason. He's been talking- a coach
0: for two years.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, the, the guy's been coaching for a couple of years, and now all of a sudden he's getting mentioned. I mean, how long did Vrabel coach in college as an assistant? Was, was he there for two or three years before he got the bump? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, he was
0: there two. I, I want to say he was at Ohio State and maybe someplace else for like two or three years, and then even in Houston he was like linebackers coach, yeah. and he was he was only a defensive coordinator, I think, for one year in in Houston. Uh, but he 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 was on the staff there for a while with O'Brien.
1: Yeah, and it feels like Vrabel was kind of fast tracked. So if Vrabel was fast tracked, yeah. imagine Mayo if he gets a head coaching. I just can't see it. Again, I'm thinking that he was high atop the list to bring guys in early. I don't know if they're looking at it and saying, "Oh yeah, he's a favorite to get this job." I'm also not the biggest fan of Doug Peterson. I'm really not. I, I saw a lot yeah. of people tweeting about how good he was, and oh, he won a Super Bowl. Tell me what he's done since Frank Reich left. Since Frank yep. Reich left. That offense has not been nearly as good as it was when it played against the Patriots. I mean, I think you look back at that Eagles team, and it sucks for Patriots fans, and of course the Malcolm Butler conversation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you look back at that Eagles team, it really feels like, you know, hey, flash in the pan. You know, they, they were able to get lightning in a bottle with Reich and, and Peterson that year, and things fell perfect, and Foles played out of his mind. It, it really seems like that Eagles team will go... You know, down in history as like one of those one and dones. And then everybody else kind of just declined after that. Uh, the next thing we want to talk about is Julian Edelman. Uh, I, I know Julian Edelman's tweet uh, got a lot of eyeballs on it. Boston, I love you. You've weighed on my and my family's mind for a long time. Some people think Julian sent that tweet out as a goodbye to Boston and New England. How did you read it? Are people reading too much into it, Greg? <laughs>
0: I actually didn't really read it. Uh, I, 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 I know this is the type of stuff that sports talk radio and and even Patriots fans go nuts over, and they try to parse every word and every right. symbol and all this stuff. And I, I just can't. I can't. I maybe maybe that's I'm starting to show my age, but I just can't do it. I mean, look, it, it was in reference to some sort of um, social media story about how Edelman's been able to build some social media brand while playing for Belichick. Uh, I think that, I think basically he was, my quickie take was he was illustrating, he knows how to play the social media game, which is, he just teased a bunch of people, what he said meant nothing, but it got a bunch of people riled up, which is exactly the point of social media for a lot of people. So I just think it's Julian Edelman being Julian Edelman and, uh, being very smart and calculating and, and a bit of a wise all at the same time.
1: Yeah, and I just – I don't think – if Julian Edelman was going to make some kind of an announcement that is that serious, I don't think the tweet is going to do it, especially that tweet. I just kind of took it as a hello, and I agree with you. I'm not reading too much into it. It's not to mean or to say that he will not walk away. He could walk away. He could be done. But I don't think the tweet is an indication of that because I don't even think the Patriots – have fully gotten through all those conversations just yet. And I don't know if the Patriots know if they want him back. So I think it's a little too early to start jumping to conclusions. But as you said, it's 2021, and that's what a lot of people do now on Twitter and social media. I mean, as soon as somebody presses send or they post something, you've got thousands of people going crazy, losing their minds and saying, oh, well, this means Edelman's walking away. I I wouldn't go that far just yet.
0: Uh, by the way, Nick, yep. um, one thing, because you just reminded me of it, what you said about, um, you know, whether the, the Patriots have decided that and, and that sort of thing. Uh, that's a good point by you to bring up because I just heard this week. Um, so basically the way the end of the season works with the Patriots and um, the coaches and, and football personnel is, you know, as soon as the regular season is over, they take a couple days. The coaches write up their reports, season ending grades, things like that. And uh, there might be exit interviews. I'm not sure who handles them with the players. But then after that, uh, Belichick basically told uh, the football people that they're off until the Super Bowl, and then they're back in the office. So um, – because it was such a long season. It was a trying season with COVID and everything that's going on. So, um, I mean, everyone – a lot of us are talking about decisions about being made. Uh, That is not on – Uh, the mind of the Patriots coaches right now, basically everybody's taking a breath, resting up a little bit, and then they'll come back and they'll look at the season and the team with a a set of fresh eyes, or at least that's the hope. And, uh, you know, then we might start getting an inkling of what's going on with this team. But if people are, like, chomping at the bit to say, like, you know, what's going on, who's this, that, those decisions are not being made right now. I mean, look, (laughs) that's not to say Belichick couldn't just – make some decisions and talk to Julian if uh while he's on vacation or and I don't even know how much of this is vacation or working vacation but I could just tell you that a lot of the football people they're they're off for a while.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they're taking a break. They're taking a deep breath. It was yep. I mean it's a, it's a stressful long season, a lot of pressure. And a disappointing season. So it was not an easy 2020 for anybody. It was not an easy 2020 for the Patriots or Bill Belichick. So it does make a little sense to step away. And as you said, come back with fresh eyes, re energized and say, okay, how can we get this thing back to where it used to be? I, I think that's a-, a smart strategy and approach by the Patriots and Belichick. Uh, going from Edelman to another Patriots receiver, Pro Football Focus, one of your favorite sites, Greg, especially when they rank people. Uh yeah. they- they ranked Jacoby Myers, the 25th wide receiver in the league. When Greg Bedard sees that, what is his reaction?
0: <laughs> you got to be bleeping kidding me. <laughs> um, I mean, this just goes to the heart of my, and I love the guys at PFF and a, we've talked about it before. I mean, I, I was an early sort of adopter and so a lot of the stuff that I do or did even before they existed, um, you know, where we see things similarly. I, I'm all for grading things, and, and I can't watch every team every week, so I'm glad somebody can and sort of give us a baseline. And there is definitely some use for some of the stuff that they do, but this is an example of them just, just n- no, just I mean, it's just, it's just completely misses the mark, and they just don't get it. I mean, look, look they 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 said first of all they said below you will find a list of the 25 highest graded wide receivers of the regular season please note that just because player x is ahead of player y does not mean we should we would take player x over player y if we were building a team this list is, so, is built solely around the regular season pff grade of every wide receiver who saw at least 50 targets in the 2020 season um that's great but you just you, you can't look at it that way i mean you just can't i mean so okay well I guess the Patriots don't need a number one wide receiver now, Nick. We're, they're all set. They have the twenty-fifth best receiver in the NFL. I mean, that's right? He's a number that's one. Pretty good. That's yeah. a, that's the number one on their their number one is better than the number one on seven other teams. It's awesome. So yeah. I'm glad we got that taken care of early yeah. in the
1: offseason. It's it's a little outrageous. Uh, yeah. Listen, even if you like Jacoby Myers, what is before we move on? What do you think the ceiling is for Jacoby? Do you think he's a two in this offense, with some circumstances, certain you know under certain circumstances, or do you think really he's like a third guy, you know, slot, and that's where they would love to have him?
0: Yeah, I think, I think, I, I think realistically he's a number three, which is which is fine. Uh, I do I think he could play some two as the slot. Yeah, but he's a little slight, and I worry about him getting beat up there, and and that's not sort of their physical profile that, of of those guys. But um, you know, about the the PFF list for one second, I mean, it's just you know, look, you can you can't look at things in a vacuum. Like you have to look at it in circumstances. Like you know, why is Joe? They're basically saying Jacoby Myers is productive, and Jacoby Myers has done a good job. I mean, I would say when I do my player by player grades coming up. He'll probably be around a B, which is pretty good for 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 this team. Right, but just because I mean, Jacoby Myers isn't getting doubled by anybody. Nobody cares about Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers is on a crappy team, so the, the you know everyone's stacking the line, so things are open a little bit more, and they have a running quarterback or at least a, a quarterback who's a threat to run, so things are a little bit more open for him as opposed to say, I don't know, Julio Jones or somebody like that, you know, who's who's a central focus of a defensive coordinator. So you just – it's apples and oranges to me. I just I just don't understand some of the stuff they do at PFF, and this is one of those.
1: All right, let's jump ahead and down south to Jacksonville. Urban Meyer looks like he's going to be the next Jags head coach. Do you like or not like that hire, Greg?
0: I don't like it. I mean, look, I have a lot of respect for Urban as a head coach. In a vacuum, I'd like him to be a head coach of my team in the NFL, I think. I mean, I, I haven't really studied him all that much because um, I'm not a big college football guy. Now he did coach um, my second favorite college team, University of Florida, so and, and led them to the national championship, so I'm happy about that. But a couple of things worry me. Number one, how long is he going to be there? I, I mean, he, his health has been an issue at Florida, at Ohio State, like, he takes losing extremely hard. You're going to lose a lot in the NFL. You just are, especially with that team, even with Trevor Lawrence. Good luck with all that. How long is he going to last? And you're, you're basically – you like, they should be – the Jaguars should have they, – they have Trevor Lawrence. You have a chance to go in and get uh, a coach, like, say, like Josh McDaniels, who is going to bring in an offense that's going to last him – For the bulk of his career, you know, at least the first, even if McDaniels is a disaster there, it's four or five years. Urban might last two. So that's one offense, a college style offense. Now you're going to go to it. Now you're going to go to another guy. Now, all of a sudden, Trevor Lawrence is all screwed up as the number one overall pick. They should have looked for the, the, the best opportunity to make him successful over the long term. And I don't think Urban Meyer's it. I don't like the fit of the offense. I think the offense could get him killed if he wants Lawrence to run a decent amount. I just don't like any of it. I, I just, I'm just, i just disappointed because I think a lot of Shad Khan and Tony Khan, his son, I think they're very smart. They just keep making dumb football decisions, or at least ones that I don't agree with.
1: The only thing I'll say about this, you said most of what needs to be said, but from the urban Meyer point of view, I mean, obviously a home run, he's going to make a ton of money. He gets Lawrence. Yep. They have, you know, 70 to $80 million in cap space. They've got a bunch of draft picks. Uh, so it's great for urban, but if he swings and misses, the Jags are screwed. And then you also look at it, just, you know, the people that thought urban Meyer was being honest when he left Ohio state, that he was never <laughs> going to coach again. Give me a break. The, the guy, listen, One of the things we've learned about Urban is he's full of it. I mean, he's full of it. When he says he's going to walk away, and, you know, the first time he walked away from Florida because he was in such bad physical shape, then, like, two years later, he's at Ohio State. And then he's leaving Ohio State because, oh, this or that. No, the reason why he left Ohio State was because the assistant coach, you know, controversy with the domestic violence. The fact that he went to the Big Ten media day and just lied to everybody to their face and then tried mm-hmm. to, you know, flip the script and say, oh, no, I didn't lie. If you go, no, you lied, Urban Meyer. And he wanted to get away from that. And, and he knew that he had a guy in Ryan Day that could just take over. He could walk away, keep a little consultant job, then go to TV for a couple of years. And then as soon as something opened up that was sexy to him, he was going to jump in. So that's who Urban Meyer is, for better or worse. I just, you know... I find it adorable the people that fall in love with that guy because somehow, some way, like when he was in Florida, oh, man, we love Urban because he brought a national championship and Tim Tebow and blah, blah. Like, just do you think he had his head in the sand with Aaron Hernandez and some of the other guys? Like, he had dozens of players on that team get arrested and be in trouble with the law. But people loved Urban Meyer. He was a leader of men. He was a man of God. And then he goes, goes to Ohio State after leaving Florida and people at Ohio State. Bert Breer, fall in love with him. Greatest <laughs> coach ever. Blah, bitty, blah, bitty, blah, bitty, blah. And then he leaves and they all feel bad and they all, you know, they have a parade for him and, Oh, wish urban. We wish you could stay no matter about the domestic violence thing. And, and the fact that you lied a billion times and all that, we, we still love you. We love you urban. And then he's now going to walk into Jacksonville and the same damn thing's going to happen. He's going to walk urban into walking, Yeah. People are going to love him. They're going to wax poetic about him. Yep. And then if it, falls apart some reason he'll walk away with some kind of an excuse people will buy it hook line and sinker
0: that is and is he'll great. show up back in the college game or something yeah yeah he'll get
1: a top college job yep it'll be it, saving again yeah. it, it, it's like rinse and repeat with that dude but for some reason every time he leaves a place they love him they, they I, I i mean i'm telling you he's he should have gotten to politics uh, before yep. we get into the playoffs, Craig, let, let's talk about Bet Online. Of course, there's a lot of interesting lines coming up this weekend with the four games. Uh, tell us all about betonline.ag.
0: Yeah, Nick, there's only one place that has you covered during this NFL postseason, along with, you know, we got hockey starting up. The Bruins start tonight. Right. The game started I'm last night.
1: Right now, see it? I'm flying the colors for you.
0: There you go. Nice. Uh, and of course, we don't know. The Celtics may play a game again. I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> must be killing you at this point, oh, Jones. And
1: actually, it let me watch uh, the Queen's Gambit, the full series. So I was. Oh, happy there you about,
0: go. I was happy about that. So now you're, you're wicked smart, huh? Wicked smart. Uh, there's only one place that has you covered. One place we trust: BetOnline.ag. Sign up today for your free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code CLNS50 for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Uh, We got all sorts of games this week going on with the NFL. We're about to go over those lines and everything. I'm very excited. Some really good matchups, and we will dive into those BetOnline ag lines in a second but make sure you don't sit on the sidelines anymore get in on the action don't forget to use that promo code clns 50 to receive a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts
1: all right so we got four games coming up this weekend let's take about a minute or so for each one let's start with the rams at the packers the packers greg are six and a half point favorites
0: okay so my thought on or or sort of my question, my thought on this game is, um, you know, can basically, I think it's going to come down to how well the Packers do running the ball and in the trenches. Uh, I don't think that they can get one dimensional against this team, even though I do think Rogers and Adams, uh, can beat them. But if Rogers has to make a living going to, uh, to Devontae Adams against Jalen Ramsey, that could be a bit of a long day, but I just think, I think the the, the Packers' offensive line—they don't have Bakhtiari. We got to see what's going on at left tackle for them. Aaron Jones. If the if the Packers can sort of uh, control the clock, uh, control the ball and the game, and put pressure on the Rams, where the Rams have to put more guys in the box to defend the run and open up the pass a little bit more then I I think the Packers win this game kind of easily. And, of course, there's the whole Rams QB thing that we don't know what's going on with them. But I just think the the Packers are playing a lot better on defense at this point in time. I just think the Rams are going to have a tough time moving the ball consistently, and I think the Packers will make enough plays. I like the Packers to cover in that game.
1: You know, I look at this, and it's really all about the fronts. Like, as you said, can Green Bay's offensive line deal with the Rams' defensive front? And we always talk about Aaron Donald because, as Sean McVay called him this week, he is the Terminator. But they've got some other guys on that line, and Floyd's been great. The guy that, you know, Leonard Floyd they signed from Chicago. I mean, he has been awesome in L.A. So, you know, can they deal with that? Can they give Rodgers some time? The adams Ramsey matchup is a sexy matchup for any NFL fan. That'll be fun to watch. Uh, and also, I do wonder at the Green Bay front seven, how can they deal with Cam Akers? And that's been a change to the Rams offense over the past you know, couple of months. When Cam Akers has been healthy, he's been really good. Can they slow down Cam Akers and put this game in the hands of Jared Goff or Walford, whoever plays? Uh, I tend to agree with you. I do think this game could be close throughout most of it, maybe a late cover. but But I do like the Packers. Ravens at the Bills on Saturday night, Lamar Jackson versus Josh Allen.
0: Yeah, one of the games of the weekend. Oh, by the way, um,
1: the Bills are minus two and a half.
0: Yeah, Bills are minus two and a half. This this sp- uh, spread has been swinging. I think it opened at two and a half and went down to one. It's back up to two and a half, uh, maybe because of the weather. I haven't looked at a weather report lately, but I, th- I don't think there's supposed to be any snow on Saturday night. I think it's supposed to be snow on Thursday and Friday. I don't think that that's going to be an issue in this game. I think this is a tough matchup for the Bills. Um, I'm not saying that they can't win. But as far as uh, the Bills' weakness on defense is their run defense, yep. and nobody runs the ball better than the, the the Ravens in a bunch of different ways. And I have a, and, and the thing about the Ravens, Nick, that I think we've learned with the Patriots in, in their their dealings with the the Ravens the past couple of years, you don't. I, I and I think this is the first time the Bills have played them at least since Jackson's rookie year. Uh, you really can't comprehend Lamar Jackson and the speed of that rushing offense until you actually play it. And the Bills have a lot of slow guys, whether that's Tremaine Edmonds and in the middle middle linebacker. Milano can run a little bit, but their their defensive line is is not great, even though it has been playing been playing better the second half of the season. I just don't know how the Bills stop. Uh how the Bills stopped the Ravens' running game. And they're going to have to sell out to do it, and then all of a sudden now some passing lanes are open to, to Andrews or Hollywood Brown. I think they're going to have a tough time stopping the Ravens and the Bills. Josh Allen is hot right now, but if you look this year, the Titans game, the Chiefs game, when they got blitzed a lot, uh, they, they really struggled protecting Allen. Allen had trouble reacting to the pressure. Uh, plus, the Ravens can man up against Stephon Diggs and Adam Beasley and Corey Davis and John Brown and all those guys. They have the the defensive backs to do it if Marcus Peters and and Jimmy Smith and and company come to play. I, I just think this is a tough matchup for the Bills. I'm not saying that they can't win, uh, but this is this is their nightmare matchup. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the Ravens in this one.
1: You know, it's funny because some people will say that Allen has had some issues against the Blitz, as you just mentioned. There are some numbers that say that Allen's been okay against the Blitz. and I saw a game against uh, Seattle where he got hit a ton. He still made some plays and was able to win. But I think it all comes back to what you said to start your thoughts. The Ravens run game. Like, we know the Ravens' script. If the Ravens can run the football against you, Uh, then they're in much better shape than they are if they can't run the football against you. And I think they have the chance to run for two, 250 yards in this game against Buffalo. And if they run for 200 yards, then I think Buffalo is in trouble. And now you start to look at Allen and trying to fight his way back. And maybe he tries to do too much. And we still saw him almost take, you know, the worst sack of the playoffs in the first week and last weekend. He survived that. The only question I have about the Ravens which is nuts because we're talking about the playoffs here. But the only question I have is effort. Like are they going to show up? Yep. Did they get too emotional against Tennessee last weekend with yep. the dropping of the logo and John Harbaugh coming out and saying it was his greatest win of a co- as a coach which was a joke. <laughs> you know, th- did they get too high last weekend and now they might kind of have a letdown against Buffalo. I, I find this game to be fascinating. I don't know if it's going to be sexy all the time, all 60 minutes, but I'm kind of leaning towards the bills. I think Josh Allen can make more plays than Lamar Jackson with his arm. Uh, so I'm kind of, I'm leaning towards the bills, but I would not be surprised whatsoever if the Ravens win that game. Uh,
0: yeah, one one thing on the, you, you're right. Cause there are stats out there that say, Allen's been great against the blitz one. And I'm not going to discount those, those numbers, but I would question. All right, so what are we talking about? Like, how many are you blocking against five? Like, is it five against five, or is it, or you know, often Dayball will keep it an extra blocker to give right. Allen right. more time, which he did last week, which was really good. I mean, uh, PFF only had Allen getting pressured eight times in that game. Like, it, it was like it was like nothing, and I think he was he was sacked he was sacked once, which he ran into. Actually, he was sacked twice because he there was a sack fumble. Both of them were Allen's fault, the sacks that he didn't need to take. And there was one other hit. So that's it. And so they might have gotten blitz last week, but none of that stuff was getting home. That doesn't mean that Allen was great against the blitz. It meant that the bills were great against the blitz. All
1: right. Quickly, Browns at the Chiefs. Chiefs minus 10.
0: I think I think this game's going to be closer than people think. I think that uh, the Browns getting some guys back uh, in the secondary. Uh, their pass rush. I don't think the Chiefs protect very well up front. Uh, I think the Browns do well against the run. I wish they still had Olivia, Olivier Ber- Vernon. Uh, but I think this is a game where maybe the Chiefs sort of screw around for a while, and then they put their foot on the gas. But I think I I would give some thought to taking the Browns here in the points, and I think I'm going to do that. I think it's going to be more like a seven-point game.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Chiefs have allowed teams to hang around all year long. Yep. That's kind of their calling card this year. Also, Patrick Mahomes – he did not play week 17. You never know how that's going to affect a quarterback. You know, that means he hasn't played a game and now going on three weeks. You know, how does that, does, is there a little bit of a rust factor when he first goes out there? Uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, I think, are going to be a major headache for Kansas City. I think they'll yep. be able to run the football against that defense. And the one thing I'll keep pounding on this that gets overlooked is, you know, Patrick Mahomes threw 16 picks that were dropped this year. And so he has played with a little bit more risk to his game this year. And you know, that could keep a team close against a better team than Cleveland. You could actually lose because of a, a throw like that that doesn't get dropped. So yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy because you never know with Kansas City. This could be a three-point game, a six-point game heading into the fourth quarter. And then they, you know, they score 17 and all of a sudden you look up and it's a, you know, it's it's a two-three score win. But I tend to agree with you. You know, if you look at Kansas City all year. They've just, you know, kind of been close all year long to these teams. And I I think that will continue on Sunday. Uh, Bucks at Saints. Saints Saints minus three, of course, Tom Brady.
0: Yeah, I I think Tom played really well last week. Um, You know, everyone will look at the two earlier matchups against the Saints. Uh, I I would caution against that because for this reason, uh, especially the second matchup against the Saints, Tampa Bay did a tip – did typical Bruce Arian stuff, which was, you know, just the just the five pass protectors on the offensive line, get Brady killed. He got killed in that game. It was something like, I looked it up, it was something like 27 pressures on like 44 attempts or something like that. Brady got annihilated. And I think they, I don't know if it was that game in particular, but since then, the Bucks have done a much better job of protecting Brady, keeping extra guys in. Um, running more of the Patriots stuff, a little quick hitter stuff. And so that makes me think that they have a much better chance in this game. They're just, they they just have a different style on offense than they did in the first two matchups. And and they probably realized if they were going to run in the saints again, they can't keep playing that way. It's not going to, it's not going to work. You're going to get Brady killed. That being said, I don't know how the bucks stopped the saints on offense um, unless Drew Brees is just off his arm, whatever. But, you know, whether it's running the ball or – I mean, Drew Brees and those guys have just – they have just carved up the Bucks Like, even yeah. when they pressure, the, the, the Saints get it blocked and then it's open. Like, the, they just can't stop the Saints. And, and I just don't see that, that changing this time around. And so, I'm going to take the Saints and the points. I think it's going to be close for a long while. But I, I think the Saints win by about seven. I think the Saints cover.
1: I think they win. This has been a tough matchup for Brady all year long. He's 0-2 against them this season. And when you look at the stats, his completion percentage is around 60%. I think he's got, like, two touchdowns, five picks. His passer rating is, you know, his passer rating is, like, 30 points below what Cam's was this year <laughs> something like that. I mean, he just, he just has not played well against the Saints. And, you know, maybe they have made some changes, like you mentioned, Greg, that will help him on Sunday. I, I just don't think it's going to be enough. And, uh, you know, that Saints offense, the Buccaneers defense is not great in the secondary against good teams. And I, I think uh, with Mike Thomas back, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, you know, Traquan Smith's probably coming back. If you look at a Saints team that's healthy. Tampa's had some difficulty defending tight ends. I think there'll be some openings for Cook and Troutman in this game as well against yep. that defense in the middle of the field. And I just think this is a really tough matchup for Tampa's offense because, you know, Tampa has to run the football to be good and the Saints are really good against the run, like really good against the run. And they also get after the quarterback. And that combination is kind of a nightmare for the Buccaneers. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the Saints. Let's jump to the bostonsportsjournal.com member question of the day. Check them out at BSJ, 11 cents a day on their annual plan. Of course, if you're a Pats junkie, membership at BSJ gives you access to a ton of video analysis, but Dar does, and also direct access to him in the weekly chats. From John T., Greg, is there a more overrated coach in the league than Mike Tomlin?
0: Possibly, I mean, he's 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 there. And what's weird, Nick, is that this was actually a season, especially early on when they were dealing a lot of with a lot of stuff, a lot of injuries. I thought Tomlin was doing his best work this season, and I actually started to be like, oh, you know, maybe maybe I was wrong about Tomlin. Maybe yeah. he is all right. And I, I, I thought he was growing.
1: Yeah,
0: I thought he was maturing into the position where I think you know a lot of in the past I looked at him and I'm like, he's just you know, he's just a raw, raw guy. He's got the look on the sideline. He he gives a great press conference. Uh, He looks like Omar Epps. And he looks really cool. <laughs> like if I was an NFL head coach, I would want to look like Mike Tomlin. He just looks like a badass and he's a really good dude too. Um, but I, I've always had questions about, you know, how good of a coach he is. And in the end of the season sort of reinforces it, even though a lot of stuff that was going on with this team. It's very similar to the Patriots. Uh, Didn't have to do with him that they got, you know, old and slow and ineffective really fast, sort of like the Patriots. But here's my thing, Nick, and the way I judge coaches, and this is why I'm still – I still don't get it with Tomlin, and I think he should be – his job should be in danger at times, is how many times has his team won games that they shouldn't have? Very rarely. Yep how many times has his team blown games when they've been favorites a hell of a lot. Yep. And to me, that is sort of the, 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 the mark of a good or bad coach. And that's why I think, you know, Bill Belichick is a great coach because there are games throughout his career that you're like, there's no way the Patriots should compete with that team yet. They win or they're in the game. I mean, even this year uh, for them to do what they were doing for much of the season until, you know, the wheels went off the tracks, but Um, you know that's just my measure and I and I don't think Tomlin measures up and and I don't know why other people like Peter Kings and those guys always just look at winning percentage and you know I I just think that's a tough way I just I think he blow his teams blow way too many games and seasons than they should and to me that tells me he's not a great coach.
1: I think he's 8 and 8 in the postseason and he's If memory serves me correct, he's three and six in their last nine playoff games like that. That just that speaks volumes to me again Mm -hmm. had a lot of talent. It's not about winning games in the regular season with the talent they've had. You can win a lot of games in the regular season. It's what do you do against the best of the best when you get into the playoffs? And he has been entirely mediocre aside from one or two runs. I mean, in the run that he made. The Super Bowl, I mean, you're talking about a team that really wasn't his for the most part. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's just it's one of those things where again, eight and eight in the playoffs to me tells me that he's not a great coach. He might be an okay coach, but he's not a great coach. Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles, episode thirty seven in the books, brought to you by betonline.ag back next week. We'll of course get into the Patriots offseason. We also want to touch on the Patriots season. Greg's digging through film right now. Uh, He's coming up with his grades, so we'll do that and more next week. Until then, be safe, be healthy, be good.